Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. You can find me at Dan Urban MMA. You can also follow the podcast at Couchside Judges. And you can subscribe wherever you listen. Apple, Spotify, Google, all of them. And if you're able to rate us, uh, give us that five-star review. We would love it. And we're going to talk about judging in MMA. So you should read the criteria at abcboxing.com. So, Dan, we're finally at a, another fight week. It's been two weeks, two long weeks since we've had fights. Yeah, back at it again this Saturday, and I can't wait. I mean, you know, I, I, sh- I shouldn't say we we two weeks since we've had fights. We had, we had There was a bunch of other stuff going on last weekend. There was like KSW was going on and things like that. I just, I tuned out of it. Yeah, I, I, I didn't really watch, but I heard there was some kind of brawl or something. There, there was a brawl. I haven't even had the time. I've had such a busy week to look into it, but yeah, there was a brawl. Um, and there was a stunner in the main event that no one was really expecting. I, everybody was stunner? counting. No, it was not a stone cold stunner. Oh. It was not of that variety. It was, uh, that's where my head the, went. The, uh, the, the hot prospect everybody was, was, uh, was talking up lost, uh, in his bout. It was, it was kind of a weird knockout. I don't know if you got to see it. I did get to see this. I had time for this, but it was, uh, it was like a, a wild haymaking punch that landed with, the guy's forearm. I don't even have names. Sorry, but guys. You maybe probably, the bicep. You probably know who these people I, is that the are. Bicep? Yeah, it was, it was the bicep landed essentially on his temple and then floored him. Yeah, I have to check. Uh, see who that was. I have no idea. Yeah, it was Daniel Torres scoring the 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 stunning knockout over Saladin Parnassi. I'm, I'm probably saying their names you know, to some degree incorrect, but yeah, it was these two guys. Everyone was talking about Parnassi to me, and then all of a sudden, this happens. Crazy. That's the fight game. It is the fight. Yeah, it's funny. You could say that about so many things. Like, yeah, that's the fight game. <laughs> it's very much it is. It is what it is. But just as as it applies to uh, combat sports, I've been watching that show Kingdom on Netflix. Yeah, what do you think of it? I, I know people it, who've watched it. It's fun. It just highlights all the dirtiness of the fight business. Really... Does it? Does it actually bring up any like good? It's a, it's a fun show. I mean, I guess they need that for the drama portion of it to make well, it more interesting. Of course. Uh, I think there's more more negative than positive, but it's still a fun show. Okay. That that almost sounds like... Uh, did you ever watch Playmakers on ESPN, the football show? Yeah, that with uh, Omar Gooding Jr. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that. it's not Omar Gooding Jr. It's Cuba Gooding Jr.'s brother, Omar. They don't have different fathers as brothers. Wait, Omar, Omar Omar's not the junior? Cuba's the junior? Cuba Gooding Jr. and oh. Omar Gooding. Oh, okay. I thought Omar was the junior, and I thought Cuba wasn't. No, no. You don't remember Omar Gooding from when he used to be on that Nickelodeon show? I remember him on Smart Guy. I don't remember him on Smart Guy. He was, Yeah, he was the brother's best friend, and he was on that show uh, on Nickelodeon that you mentioned. I can't remember the name. Yeah, I'm in trouble with it, too. But, uh, but uh, yeah, is the tone of Kim- Kingdom kind of similar to, uh, to Playmakers in any way? A lot of drug use. A lot of drug use, okay. A lot of shady dealings. Mm. So it's all on those lines. I got you. Okay, okay. I, I've you know it's been on my radar, but there's other things I'd rather watch. I think it would take us. It would take probably you being like, we're gonna watch it for the show. For me to be like, all right, I'll move it up the queue. Well, the thing is, they cut they cut it short. It got canceled after its third season, so the story's no, not even wrapped good. up. So it's kind of like, <laughs> all right, do I want to watch a partial? No, I I I hate that kind of thing. I'd rather walk away on my own terms than that. Right. Yeah. But yeah, again, we've at least got some uh, some UFC action to talk about this weekend. We've got Alistair Overeem. He's back in action. Can't believe he's still fighting. I, 
It's wild. I mean, he he was fighting in the nineties. He had some fights in the nineties. <laughs> it's it is something because at at one point we used to watch his fights and be like, "This is definitely it for him. He's done." I mean, I, every time he gets hit, I'm like, man, is he done? <laughs> it's it's wild, but I mean, kudos to him. He can even still take some punches. It's just. I mean, when you've been hit as many times as he has at heavyweight, especially, I mean, any heavyweight, really, like, if you go down that much. But he's, he's been knocked out quite a few times. I'm always worried about this man's mental health. He's had a resurgence as of, of late. So. He has. He has. I, I mean, he's kind of a Cinderella story now, which is funny because, I mean, he's had so many reinventions of his career. Um, and, and I'm actually, you know, we're recording this on Wednesday. I'm supposed to speak with him on Thursday for a story. So I'm very interested uh, to speak to him about some of the, you know, some of the things that have on um, the twists and turns his career has taken. It's been a wild ride. You should definitely ask him about that LMFAO video he was in. Which one is this? I don't remember this. He's in one of them. I, I don't remember which song it is, but he's uh, he's in one of their music videos. I I probably haven't watched a music video since TRL was like hosted <laughs> by Carson Daly. Uh, that's a long time. I mean, I'm sure I've seen a couple. I mean, this is a bit of an exaggeration, but I mean, realistically, yeah, I don't know. I couldn't tell you the last music video I saw. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it's Overeem, so we figured, you know, we like to do past judgment before. We have a, a fight to talk about, a fight weekend. So we picked Overeem, and you know, he, Dan, he really just doesn't have a whole lot of fights that have gone the distance, right? So we were kind of limited in our choices. We were, because, uh, you know, heavyweights hit hard, and they typically don't make it all five or three rounds. <laughs> Even though he's had almost 60 fights, or actually, I think, more than 60 fights. He's, he's it's, it's it's wild. And that doesn't even include his, his K1 kickboxing and all that stuff, where, I mean, it's just, he's had an amazing career. But, but yeah, so we, we ended up having to pick a couple of fights with Overeem, and as it turned out, both of them, I think, had some pretty interesting scoring, and both of them were against... Fabrizio Verdum. Yeah, the, the second and the third fight of this trilogy. Right, of course. The first one uh, happened in Pride, uh, and I'll I'll fill you in on the details after that. But first, Dan, why don't you just remind everybody how we do uh, scoring for the couchside judges in past judgment. Yeah, I've been reminding you a lot lately. Uh, CSJ criteria is basically the same as the ABC criteria, which, as we mentioned earlier, is available at abcboxing.com. Like certified judges, we score rounds based on the three Ds, damage, dominance, and duration, but we just made a few key changes. A 10-9 round is a competitive round in which neither fighter checks one of the three Ds by a large margin. A 10-8 can be considered for just one D, but should definitely be given when two Ds are achieved. A 10-7 is available for checking off two Ds, but must be given for all three. We've discarded tiebreakers for effective aggression and area control, as these are rarely used by judges anyway. The rare 10-10 would only be given in largely uneventful rounds. All this helps provide for more varied scores that should more accurately reflect what happened in a fight. All right, Scott, set up Overeem Verdum. All right, Scott, set up Overeem Verdum too. Yeah, it's a mouthful, right? That's yeah. hard to say. <laughs> I, I give you credit for getting it out, but yeah, this was uh, this was the headliner of a Strike Force event. This is our first Strike Force fight, by the way, um, on the Couchside Judges That's... for Past Judgment. Strike Force was one of the few promotions outside of the UFC that I would tend to watch regularly. Oh, I mean, they put on great fights. They actually yeah. really did. They had great rosters, and I think that showed when everybody came over to the UFC and a bunch of them ended up winning titles. So, uh, But yeah, this was part of their World Heavyweight Grand Prix. Uh, this leg took place at American Airlines Center in Dallas on June 18, 2011. Uh, and again, this is a rematch after Vicavalo beat Reem by 
Kimura back in 2006 in Pride, uh, which itself actually was in that year's Heavyweight Grand Prix. So to this point, they're only meeting in Heavyweight Grand Prix. Tournaments is all they got. That's, it worked out. I mean, it was always compelling, even back in Pride. Not not that I was necessarily watching in Pride uh, at the time. I I had to catch it uh, later on. But I mean, I've I've seen all the fights in Pride, and, and man, those tournaments were fantastic. They were a lot of fun. Oh yeah. So yeah, for this fight, the Strike Force fight though, Reem was thirty four and eleven. He already had a ton of fights at this point. <laughs> Ten years ago, he's thirty one, uh, and he was their heavyweight champion. But he hadn't defended the belt since he won it four years earlier, and this wasn't even a title defense. So it's just this random belt that's basically just been stapled to him for four years and he hasn't been doing anything with. Um, and he never did end up defending. How, how does that happen? How do you be the champ for four years with no defense? Uh, Strike Force really didn't kind of turn into the the entity that I think a lot of us kind of remember it as until. You know, oh, probably oh eight, oh nine, kind of range when when um, Showtime really started pushing it more. Yeah, but I mean, it was he, kind of after Elite XC fell out. You know, I mean, but he didn't have a four year layoff. No, he didn't. He was just so, fighting in other organizations. Oh, he, he fought, all right. and that's the thing too. Like a lot of people kind of forget this about Alistair Overeem, is that at that point in time he was kind of considered a, a can crusher uh, since since Pride fell out. Obviously, he took a ton of fights in Pride against great fighters, but since then, it was it was a lot of, like, you know, thought to be washed up. Mark Hunt, who obviously wasn't, uh, and, you know, Mirko Krokop, but then a bunch of other guys who really just weren't of the top level that you would think someone like Overeem was getting a lot of pub at that point, especially for his physique. Yeah, I, I do remember that narrative a bit. I mean, he ended up putting it to bed, especially with this fight. When he once he took the the Verdum fight here uh, for the second time, it was and especially against someone who beat him. I think that even in and of itself had to shut people up because it's saying, "Hey, I'm not just picking and choosing my opponents. I'll fight anybody." So mm -hmm. credit to him for there. The previous fight, though, right before this one, uh, was a quick knockout of Todd Duffy, and that was under the Dream banner, I believe. Todd Duffy. Todd Duffy, another weird career. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, Ver Verdum, though, he's 33 for this one, 14, 4, and 1. Uh, he'd actually just been cut by the UFC fears earlier. I'm sure you remember when uh, Junior Dos Santos gave him that uppercut from hell. Right. Uh, but he'd, you know, he'd started to you know, reestablish himself you know, outside of the UFC, and especially exact, almost exactly a year earlier from this one, when he finally ended Fedor Emelianenko's incredible unbeaten streak. That was wild. I was, I was very shocked when that happened. I mean, who? I mean, anyone could lose, of course, and, and we saw that. But at that point, I feel like a lot of people had just kind of accepted. Well, Fedor's not going to lose; he's just Fedor. <laughs> I think it was the fashion in that he lost that was the most shocking. I, you know, I didn't expect him to get triangled. Ah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't remember where my mindset was at for that one, but I mean, shoot, he's he's always been kind of a reckless guy. It's just kind of he's gotten away with it. Yeah, I guess maybe I just expected him that would be his asset. Not against Verdum, though. Verdum, obviously, he's got the uh, the deadly, not, no. potent game. And obviously, the the evidence of it, too. But I'm saying, if anyone's going to triangle Fedor Emelianenko on the ground, you're going to pick it. Oh, yeah. You'd have to pick Verdum to do it. Yeah, I just, I mean, it, it, triangles are just not, not that common. They're they common still, enough. They still aren't that common. Common enough. They're not, I mean, it's not like, it's not an arm bar or a rear naked choke, especially a rear naked choke. But. I mean, it's no Oma Plata, but. That's true. <laughs> what could be? Uh, but the judges for this one, Nelson Hamilton, Stacey Peoples, and Kerry Hatley 
with the referee, Leon Roberts. And unfortunately, no individual scores to this fight, although, as we'll illustrate later, it's pretty easy to figure out what happened in each round because, well, you'll see. <laughs> round one, though, what what do we have here? Man, bizarre round. One, one, of the, one of the weirdest rounds I can remember. It, it definitely was an unsettling fight to watch. I was sitting watching it live, and I'm like, what, what is going on here? It, like, the, just about the entire round, and really throughout the fight, Verdum is just, like, on the moment of contact, is looking to either flop to his back or find a way to get Verdum to flop with him onto his back. And, and almost, almost entirely unsuccessfully. Every time he shot for a double, get stuffed either get thrown on his back or he'd try the Damian Maya, just grab onto any limb and hope, <laughs> hope to hang on and drag the guy down with it, with him. Uh, completely unsuccessful, as you said. And as I was, as this, he kept having to stand up. I remembered back to our days in Pompton Lakes. If you remember that second, uh, Oh, I sure do. That second the gym other gym on the, the, the wet... one in that holiday, uh, that, uh, that kind of, you know, glorified garage. Yeah. The, the, the Wednesday afternoon where it was just me, you, and maybe someone else, and we just did takedowns the whole time. Yep. Or live takedowns. Yeah, it was, it was basically just two or three of us the whole time. The worst part was having to get up after doing a takedown. Mm-hmm. It was the most exhausting thing, and I just kept going back to it. I'm like, man, he's going to be exhausted. And uh, sure enough, he was. But uh, aside from that, as far as the effect of offense, I thought Overeem got hit with some good punches and knees. I don't disagree. I really don't. I mean, and and honestly, you'd really have to give the volume to Verdum too. It's it's just uh, I thought he edged it, and I don't understand why he was so reluctant to strike with Overeem. It's because I thought he was winning the striking exchanges. I think I think he really underestimated his own striking abilities in this fight. Verdum did because he, like you're saying, he he really was winning a lot of these exchanges. But having said that. Overeem was landing some really hard shots too. Like he, yeah, he would Overeem just deliver a knee, landed, and yeah. and it was if he delivered a shot, you knew it was much better than what Verdum was hitting him with in this round, at least in particular. I think. Yeah, it's just that a lot of the shots that Overeem came, I, I he hit him with one with good ones, and then I was like, I think Verdum is just hoping he thinks he's hurt, and I I didn't think anything really hurt Verdum, and I thought he edged it, and I scored it for him ten nine. I didn't get that sense. I didn't get that read from uh, from the the way those exchanges went down. I actually saw it as more when Overeem was landing and it was hard. It was like, wow, okay, yeah, the, there's impact there. There's good impact. It was effective, uh, and that's how I interpreted the action. But I don't think it's it's uh, crazy to go your way and and see this one for do- for Doom. No, it's really just such a weird round. It's so bizarre. I mean, the the problem I think was they really should have gotten under control early was take a point from the fact that Verdum is just not getting up in, in a timely fashion, you well, know? Yeah, well, well, not this, not so much this round. Definitely, definitely in the second round, I think was, it was more apparent. All right. That's fair. But I mean, it, it, at some point, truly there needed to be a point deducted for what was going on because it was just, it was a sorry display. It was. I mean, but I also, I'm like, Ophirim's also refusing to engage him on the ground. So, there's timidity there, but there's stalling on Verdum's part, which falls under the rule of timidity, actually. I don't understand why why it's not a separate foul, because uh, that's not really too timid. It's just, I, I don't know, I, I would uh, I think both guys should have got a stern, stern warning at some point. Would you by say that they should have uh, been assigned yellow cards? Oh, they would have definitely got a yellow card in Pride, I think. <laughs> Without a doubt. Excellent. 
Like, Verdun probably would have gotten it because I guess he's the guy in the bottom. I don't know. Yeah, I think, honestly, I fault Verdun a lot more than that. I, I don't think it's necessary for Verdun to have to engage on the ground. I mean, we, we see this kind of routinely where someone doesn't want to engage with them on the ground. I say, no, stand him up. I know. I also, I mean, I'm, I'm, this is completely crazy, but I also think there should be put downs when the action. Really? When the action on the feet is too, I guess, non-existent. Put him okay. on. The, put him on the ground. I, I don't. I don't know who gets top. I. Don't, I mean, I don't know, but there, there's got to be something to to create the action there. Right, but could someone just kind of stand up if they're not interested? Well, then they get a point taken. If, uh, you, okay. if you get gifted top position and you back out, see you later. <laughs> I, I admire uh, outside the box thinking. I'm outside the box <laughs> thinker. This one's a bridge too far for me, sir. I'm t- it is crazy, but I mean, I what, <laughs> what do you do? At least, at least do acknowledge it. <laughs> but yes, I, I think honestly, this this is a round that could go either way. Uh, you know, all all you know, non-existent point deductions aside. Um, judging wise, we don't know who gave this round, but uh, it stands to reason that actually we know for a fact that Overeem won at least two out of the three. On yeah. this card, yep. On this round, so you know the judges for what it was worth in the house that night. They saw it majority my way, if nothing else. So that means you're wrong, totally. Yeah. Now, but I, I did actually, I, I did take the opportunity to reach out to an active judge who was not assigned to this fight at the time. Wanted to get some of their opinion because I knew you and I saw this fight, you know, pretty differently. Um, <laughs> this, this judge referred to. Uh, it is an annoying round, which I think is, <laughs> is a totally accurate assessment. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, it was kind of like uh, they assessed it as, as kind of a classic, you know, volume versus heavier blows case, which is essentially what we just said in, in, in a much more eloquent way. Uh, and they did go 10-9 for Overeem, but right. wouldn't be shocked at all if it was for, for Doom too. Right. So and that, That's a fair score. All right. Yeah, I think so, too. So round two, though. I think there's a little less debate over who won this round, right? This is a pretty more straightforward of as, as far as who the uh, winner was, right? Maybe. I could totally see. I mean, I didn't score for Verdum, but I could totally find uh, a reason to give it to him. Yeah, I, I, thought, mean, I, I could probably not go crazy over it, but yeah. I thought he, I thought Verdum had a really strong opening to this round, probably for the first minute where he landed that strong knee and solid uppercuts against the fence. And over the next four minutes... Overeem pretty much just closes the gap and, and takes it. Yeah, I th- I think that pretty much covers it. It's I I don't really see a strong argument for Verdum here, but it's not crazy. And like you said, we we are starting to see the point where he's starting to really get up much slower. It, I mean, he he ran the clock out because this is pretty much a three minute round if you take out all the times it took or all the seconds it took for him to actually stand back up. Yeah, you know, you might be right about that. So, uh, yeah. To completely gas and, and it, it was expected because of experience doing like just takedown after takedown getting up after each one it, it's exhausting yeah oh, for sure and especially for a big man like him yeah what? yeah I, I would have to think that this was around that all three judges probably also gave 10-9 for Overeem I, I, yeah, I would just think, because this yeah. one seems to be the, like the most obvious choice uh, I, that, I would that think this so. is probably what happened. Yeah. So, um, and and the judge that I spoke to agreed ten nine for Reem. Uh, what they said was, you know, Verdum essentially landed a nice combo in the in the opening of the round, but that was it. Yeah, that really was it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's hard to really think of much else that Verdum did here. So, I I think that's a pretty easy call. But third round again, this one a little bit closer. I think it just puzzled me more. I I didn't think I didn't have it as close. Um, 
It just, this one just puzzled me more to why Verdum didn't want to strike the other two rounds. It is a bizarre thing. Like I, I don't understand the lack of confidence in his striking. Like if you're a fighter in there, I mean, you must know if you're hurting him or not, right? He, he was landing. Good I'm not a. Combos. I've never fought. I, you know, I'm. I can't put myself in those shoes. So as an outsider, I have to just speculate. I mean, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I've never fought, so I don't. I don't know what it's like to hit someone and actually hurt them. Sure. Outside of sparring, you're not really hurting someone. So. No, that's not the goal. Unless you're um, one of those guys. <laughs> Let's not shoot don't, the, do that. don't be that guy. We're not shoot the box. Yeah. <laughs> shoot the box next to the original pancake house in the <laughs> in the strip mall and whipping it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I ended up scoring it for Verdum. I thought he landed good combos, good knees. I didn't think Overeem did that much. I thought Overeem actually did land some pretty decent knees from time to time too. And when he did land, it was once again I, I saw some good impact there. But this one I ended up having to watch this one twice because I felt I almost felt ganged up on between uh, the judge we spoke to and you. I'm like, man, am I seeing it wrong? So I watched, I watched it again, and I said to myself while I'm watching, I'm like, you know, I really do still see why I saw it for Overeem, but at the same time, I, I think you can make a better case for Verdum here. I mean, he also, so, yeah, he also closed the round out attacking a heel hook, and he had to switch to a knee bar because it slipped out, but. He did. I mean, it was that was a good attack, too. Uh, I probably discounted that a little too much by kind of the end result being or didn't really get very close. Um, but I think I think I probably underestimated its value mm-hmm. uh, in terms of how effective it was from a grappling standpoint. So, yeah, I mean, once you factor that in, it definitely gets much easier to give it to Overeem. So, you mean Verdum? Yes, Verdum. Thank you. Yeah, I still <laughs> want to give it to Overeem, obviously. <laughs> I, again, I don't think it's crazy, but... Yeah, I, I think the better score, the right score, is probably Verdum here. So what this is, and and you know we're only giving out ten nines for this fight. Nobody, nobody came remotely it's close just, to a ten yeah. eight with this display. What a weird, weird fight. Okay. Uh, but but yeah. So essentially, the all three judges, I should say, we don't know once again who they gave this round to. But one thing we can say for certain is that two out of the three had thirty twenty seven for Overeem, which means. Two out of three rounds were unanimous for Overeem. And then the third judge, this was uh, Doc Hamilton. He had it 29-28. It was Peoples and Hadley at 30-27. So Hamilton saw one round for Verdun. If you were to guess, which round do you think he gave to Verdun? Probably three. That would probably be the right. Yeah, I I would assume so too, but you don't know that. Um, Yeah, I mean, and and really the way it worked out for our final score is I had 29-28 Overeem just like Hamilton did. And you have... Verdun winning twenty nine twenty eight. It's a bizarre fight. I'm I'm not gonna get too hung up on on any on any final score here. I, I truly, I mean, did any fighter truly deserve to win this fight? Yeah, like, I think I, this was a fight that so, probably it would have been not not a draw. Can we just give both of them a loss? Yeah, a, is that possible? It is possible. This is this, <laughs> this, we we go on and on about fights. You have to watch. You guys don't have to watch this one. <laughs> That's true. It's, I hope I hope this is something you're just kind of. Look, you're interested in train wrecks and say, hey, let's watch this one. Speaking of train wrecks, Gus Johnson deserves no part of interviewing a fighter after a fight ever again. After this. These things happen in MMA. Oh, my God. Don't even get me started. <laughs> He's reading his questions in the interview. He had to pause to read the next question to Overeem's answer during the post-fight interview. It was just, that was bad. Gus Johnson is not one of my favorite uh, announcers for sure. Oh, uh, I, I rank some lower. I'll, I'll keep them to myself. But but yeah, he's definitely very low on my list. Yeah. So 
over him gets and that's, the win. In, that's in sports in general. <laughs> yeah, my goodness. So yeah, of course, like you're saying, Overeem gets the win, and from there he ends up moving on to the UFC, and Verdum ends up in the UFC pretty soon after, kind of throwing the whole Strike Force Heavyweight Grand Prix into chaos, and you know, late replacement, uh, not re- late replacement, but alternate uh, Daniel Cormier, someone yeah. you know we weren't really familiar with at this point, ends up winning the whole thing as an alternate, <laughs> just like the most appropriate way to end this thing. Uh, and sure enough, though, he ends up being probably the greatest of all of them. <laughs> Oh, he's definitely say, say for Fedor, maybe you know. I mean, I think that's fair to say. He's, Fedor is he's, still he's top three heavyweight, I think. Daniel, Daniel Cormier, yeah, he's tough because the problem is he he spent you know decent time of his career at light heavyweight too. So it's like you know how much of that do you take out and 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 apply to the heavyweight legacy as opposed to the light heavyweight legacy? He's kind of in the same boat as like a Randy Couture. All right, so he's one of the. Although groups. Randy is Randy, I think is easier to put at heavyweight than light heavyweight. Oh, maybe. I don't know. It's it's a debatable. You know, we're we're talking about debates here. So, <laughs> I'll tell know. you what. I I'll, I'll say this. I think Overeem has like a much better case than anybody would have ever thought for being one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. Not the greatest, He's but still definitely legendary. in the conversation of like the top five. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. I think. I mean, he's probably going to get put in the Hall of Fame. I the UFC Hall of Fame is what it is. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, it's still still something. Sure, that's fine. But yeah. <laughs> All right. That's another tangent I don't want to get into today. Another day. All right. But we do have another I'll fight. save that. Yes, we do. We have the, the third, the uh, the rubber match between Overeem and Verdum. So this one, it actually took place just about six years later. Again, they're all in, in the octagon now. Everybody's in the same, uh, same house, so to speak. This was the co-headliner of UFC 213, with the headliner being uh, Robert Whitaker and Yoel Ramiro the first time they fought for the interim middleweight title, right? Uh, back on July 8th, 2017 in Las Vegas. So by now, Reem, he's 37. So, you know, entering the twilight of his career, of course, before he was basically in his prime. 42 and 15. <laughs> what a career. That's wild. Uh, definitely not can crusher now, as basically he's only fought the top guys in the UFC ever since uh, that Verdun win. Uh, and he'd just beaten Mark Hunt for the second time in his career. This one by third round KO via knees. I don't remember that fight actually. I wish I got the chance to watch. Do you remember that knockout? Yeah, that was a. That was. A, I don't think Mark Hunt went totally out. I think he was just severely rocked. Okay, right on. But yeah, Verdum here. He's just about to turn forty, like right at the end of this month. So he's twenty-one and six and one. And he had. Uh, he actually made it all the way to the top. He won the, the uh, heavyweight title. Something still escapes over him. Uh, oddly enough, right? Yeah, and he, he might. He. Who knows if he gets back to that? Can't rule him out, but, you know, I mean, to be fair, he already made Stipe tap. He did. Stipe did tap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so cruel. Uh, but, yeah, he, he actually, of course, Verdun lost his title in his first defense. His last fight, though, before this one, the previous September, was a win by decision over Travis Brown, a.k.a. Mr. Ronda Rousey. <laughs> Judges here are Derek Cleary, Dave Hagan, and Chris Lee with the referee, Herb Dean, and... We have round scores for this one. Oh, hooray. Amazing. It makes it a lot easier. <laughs> so what's going on in round one? Uh, super low output round. Yep. Uh, we're <laughs> we're, we're, letting, we're uh, continuing where we left off. It really did, except uh, for less flopping. So, yeah. You know what? For Doom, to his credit, decided I'm going to stand this time and start the, the start the fight with a flying kick. He probably watched that <laughs> fight at least once and was like, Oh man, I'm actually good at this. Okay, <laughs> he he honestly, to be fair, he got a lot better with his Muay Thai and more comfortable in that realm. 
Yeah, and, and in this round he did. It, that was his best offense of this round was his kicks. I just thought Overeem landed stronger strikes, even though he didn't have the volume. I still scored it for Overeem 10-9. Which is hilarious because you were on the uh, other side of the fence last fight where you were seemed to be favoring the volume and I was favoring the you know the lower volume but higher impact. And in this fight, I went the other way around. I'm like, no, I think the volume for Verdum is enough. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to die for Doom. Yeah, this is I mean, they just didn't they if anyone was gonna have a beef with how this round was scored, they should have done more. Yeah. No, I mean that's that's the problem. It's, it's hard to get hung up on it. I'm not hung up on it, but but I did go for uh, Verdum here. All the judges were sided with you here, though, to be fair. So this was, this was a 10-9 overing round from everybody. Okay. So I got some good company this time. Yeah, yeah. This time this time you're in the moral high ground, I guess, All so right. to speak. It's not moral, <laughs> but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. So round two, though. On, on to round two. And this one, I think a more clear round, right? Oh, definitely. I think this was uh, pretty clear for overing. Yeah. I would agree. I, I I gave it to Overeem ten nine. Not you know it wasn't an overwhelming round here either. But yeah, I think he had a good no, but clear round. He had a couple couple strikes that actually stood out. He, he landed some two sh- uh, two strong strikes to the head that were like wow okay those are big a big uppercut and that knee to the body. They were they were the strikes that stand out and Redoom didn't have anything close to that. How nasty are those knees from Overeem? I mean he no one at heavyweight delivers them like that. No, the guy's been kickboxing in the Netherlands, right? He's a Dutch kickboxer. He's a Dutch kickboxer, yeah, for, former glory guy. So I, I, I would, I would imagine his knees are pretty strong. I don't want to eat one. <laughs> That's for sure. But yeah, so I think you know, there's no debate over this round. This is a this is a ten nine overing round. Everybody thinks so, even in our system. So you've got it two rounds to none, twenty eighteen for overing, and I have it tied up. Yeah, you're you're nineteen nineteen. I'm twenty eighteen. And over all the judges, uh, though, all the judges saw it your way. Look at me. Yeah, (laughs) you are sitting pretty, my friend. And uh, you know, so what we have here is a twenty to eighteen fight from everybody. So you look at the scorecard and you say, well, Verdum, you know, he likely needs uh, a finish, or does he? Or does he? Is correct. He's he's very (laughs) much. He's very much alive in our system. He is, it's especially in our system, but uh, but even in uh, even in the ABC scoring, we had we had an interesting little score here. Tell us what happened in uh, round three. Yeah, Verdum ends up rocking Overeem early in the round with the knee, and uh, he attacks a guillotine while while uh, Overeem's kind of rocked and 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 fishing for a way out. I guess he not is, a way not a way out of the fight, out of uh, a way out of out trouble. of situation. Yeah, and uh, luckily for him, his head pops out. But uh, quickly, Verdum gets him again, gets back up, takes him down, and, and ends the round just landing halfway decent strikes. You know, the one thing I'll say about this is I think Overeem didn't do much, and that's what made it easier for me to end up going all the way to a 10-8 for, for uh, Verdum here. See, I, I, I thought, I agree with you. Overeem didn't do anything this round. Uh but the damage was there for me. For Verdum, I thought that's really all you can check is damage. And I thought the damage was decent enough to go 10-8. Yeah, I mean, that's I, I more or less agree. I, I Like I said, I went a 10-8 just like you. But once it got down to the ground, I, I really thought that the pace slowed like just significantly. And it, it was something where I think if Verdum had pushed harder for it, or maybe even you know really tried harder to lock up something uh, from the grappling standpoint, or even just overwhelm a rocked opponent... 
I I feel like he could have finished it. I don't think he did enough. I think he cost himself. He probably could have won. If if he went hard for a sub the way he went against Gustafson, I think he probably finishes. I mean, heck, why not even, you know, not necessarily this particular sequence of submission attempts, but at the end of the, the previous fight we just talked about, he's looking for leg locks. Yeah, I mean, who knows? That it's could... almost like, yeah, you, you know how everyone thinks, oh, yeah, a late takedown could win you the round. It's like, well, what if you did not the late takedown, but what if you went for, like, a late sub attempt that actually could potentially end the fight quickly? Yeah. You know, Verdum does some really strange things in the cage. His strategy... He's a weird guy in general. <laughs> his strategy against Olenek was bizarre. He did nothing to, to try to help himself until late in the fight where he, you know got back to his strengths and then Gustafson he goes out and absolutely annihilates the guy like a, like he's a a world beater and then the fight first fight with over that we just did he refuses to strike even though I think he's getting the better of the striking and he's doing pretty well this one he gets the guy on the ground which he wanted the entire first fight and he's standing there just throwing little pitter-patter hammer fists it was very weird he he's like I said he's a very strange fighter from from an actual fighting standpoint very inconsistent, and the well, the funny thing that I mean, in my opinion, anyway, that you can kind of identify how Fabrizio Verdum is going to do in a particular fight by taking one look at his physique before the fight. <laughs> he's one of those guys that, when he's motivated, he physically looks good. When he's not as motivated, when he ends up coming out more flat and doesn't have as good of a performance, you can look back at what he looked like that week and be like, he doesn't look as good. I don't remember what he looked like versus Kane, but I thought that was a very good performance. I don't recall uh, in particular offhand from that, but that was just a pattern that I feel like I've, okay. I've observed from Verdum over the course of his career. I'm sure there's exceptions, but I think I bet you you could look back if you were to like look back at every you know weigh-in photo of the last like ten years, right, and then just say like, how do you look? Good, not so good, and then trace it to his wins and losses. I bet you'd find a correlation. Can you find a correlation of Overeem's weigh-in photos from ten years ago to to now? <laughs> what, what, are you, what are you implying? He likes horse meat. <laughs> it's just horse meat, guy. I forget what I forget what event it is, but it's it's years ago. He's on the scale, and that dude is just shredded and jacked, and and like, oh my god, he looked like an action figure. Some poor human has to fight this man. <laughs> just scary. I uh, you know I I bet you it was the Brett Rogers fight. That could be. That was like his first fight in Strike Force, but you know, after ending uh, kind of a drought without taking fights for Strike Force, he came back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Brett Rogers really had no business being in there with with him. He kind of had an overrated uh, sequence of his career because he beat uh, King Mo, right? Andre Andre Arlovsky at oh, like a, a downtime okay. in Arlovsky's career, right? I only, did he fight King Mo? I think I think kind of feel like that's the only thing I remember Brett Rogers for. I don't remember him fighting King Mo. Oh. If it happened, it was probably in Bellator. Yeah, perhaps. I don't know. But anyway, we should get all the way back to this fight and close it out because That's my true. score is different from yours. I had 29-27 for Verdum. I gave him the win. 29-27? I did. Because remember, in the first round, I had Verdum winning. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. That makes sense. I got a draw, 28-28. That you do. And you're not the only one who did. Derek Cleary, he gave a 10-8 for this fight. Or for this round, I should say. So he scored it a draw at 28-20. Yeah, I mean, and the thing, yeah. Especially this early into the new unified uh, criteria or the new modified or updated. Yeah, it was, it was kind of the tail end of the, yeah. the first year after they had officially kind of stamped it. And, you know, some judges, I think, were trying to apply it as best they could before then. I, I, I would I would 
suppose. But yeah, I mean, now we're in the official. This is this is uh this is our language. This is what we're working with right now. I would think his reasoning is more in line with your reasoning, where it was more so Overeem not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Then I think that's a factor. Yeah, then that's where you because that that really is where you can start checking off dominance. Yeah, that's true too. At least in my understanding of dominance. So uh, yeah, I I only really saw D uh, for damage uh, clearly, and in our system, well, we can go ten eight for just one. So yeah, I th- I thought this was a case where I didn't I wouldn't have gone all the way to the ten eight in the ABC system, but and and neither did Hagen or Lee. They both went ten nine for uh, for Verdum here, so they had it twenty nine twenty eight for Overeem. Ended up being a majority decision win for the Reem. Closes out the one of the weirdest trilogies that we've probably had in uh in mma oh definitely yeah really weird let's hope there's not a fourth i, I mean i can't imagine i think i think overeem's probably done whenever he decides this ufc run is over and verum always already went over to uh pfl oh really and i so didn't know that yes he did he signed last year uh he'll be part of their heavyweight tournament bring a little bit PFL of star power i'm excited for What's that? that i'm excited for pfl this year they've got a bunch of uh of Top talented guys, you know, and, and it'll be interesting to see, especially some of the lighter weights, if someone can finally break through at lightweight or at featherweight to win the million dollar prize there, because it's it's been uh, Lance Palmer at featherweight two years in a row. Nathan Schult has won the lightweight tournament two years in a row, or the lightweight season, I should say. You got Pettis there now too, so I can't catch Pettis, that guy yeah, out. Pettis. There's, there's some good ones in there. It'll be interesting. You're right. I'm, I'll be keeping my eye on it as well. I've been work, I've been writing a bunch of things about PFL lately for for the post. Nice. Uh, it, it should be interesting for sure. But you know, let's focus on this weekend though. The Reem, he is back. He's going against Alexander Volkov. Yeah, I, I gotta imagine Volkov is gonna be happy to not be wrestled for five rounds. I also would be happy not to be wrestled for five rounds. <laughs> but I I just don't. He's going against Overeem. I don't I don't think he really has an edge here. I think Overeem's gonna knock him out. Wow, bold. Yeah. You know, it, it. this is a tricky one because Volkov has, I mean, he's got a good striking arsenal. He well, he actually, I think this could be a very interesting technical kickboxing match. Let, let me say this. I will. Volkov is very capable of finding that button that turns off Overeem. I mean, Overeem's For got a sure. pretty big button. So, but he's been kind of hiding it. So, <laughs> if that thing rears its head and he gets caught, I mean, it's going to go, it's, it, it's night-night, but... I'm still I don't know he's been hiding it. He, he took a good one from Walt Harris last year. That's true, <laughs> he too. He just was able to weather That it. was a strange round to score, too. That was Jeez. a tough one. Oof. But, yeah, I'm sticking with Overeem knockout. I'm I'm going to say Volkov decision. Wow. Okay. You just you just want me to watch heavyweights go for five rounds. I thought, hey, <laughs> this is going to be – if this goes five rounds, it's because it will be an interesting kickboxing yeah, match, okay. I believe. Or yeah. a very timid one that would suck. <laughs> very tepid, no one willing to engage kind of thing. I don't think it's going to go that way. I'll, I'm, I'll I'm say they're probably maybe being, I'm just maybe I'm just being optimistic about that. Lack of gassing. There probably won't be any anyone that's too badly gassed if it goes all five. I don't think so. Overeem's been able to go late so, into fights lately. He was that. Yeah, that. I mean, that's really where my my hatred for heavyweight fights going so long is that towards the end, the lower level of the division is typically ready to die. Well, when you think about Overeem in particular, there was there was the fight he ended up losing in closing seconds of the the fifth round to Yarzinho Rosenstrike, but he was win- he would have won the fight if he just made it five seconds more. That's crazy, too. and uh, it's just so crazy. 
<laughs> and like for, you know, for people who are fans of Overeem, you look at that, it's like he was so close to getting back to that title. <laughs> he, he ended up losing that one. But then there's also the fight he just won uh, against Augusto Sakai, right? Right. That one, he was down early, weathered the storm, came back, Sakai tires, and he finishes him off, pounds him out early in the fifth round. So that's two fights he's made it into the fifth round and was at least fresh enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm not worried about him being tired. That's... And and I think Volkov could too, because again, we saw him lose to Curtis Blades in that, you know, the, uh, you alluded to is the wrestling match. I mean, he got wrestled a lot. He still had some gas left. Yeah, it's just that was just a very boring fight. Be optimistic. I think this could be a good fight. I'm, I'm well, actually no, I'm always optimistic. it goes the distance. I'm always optimistic when Overeem's in there, because it's usually exciting. For right, I'm not hoping. But, I, I should say I'm not hoping it goes the distance. I want to knock out, but it would be interesting if it went five rounds. I think. I think we'd get treated to an interesting match. I mean, I think Overeem deserves uh, deserves our viewership, but I prefer the finish in heavyweight fights. Fair enough. Is there anything else though that you're looking forward to watching on the undercard? Yeah, I'm looking forward to lightweight bout between Diego Fajera versus mm-hmm. Benil Dariush. Benil Dariush. Or as uh, as as online uh, called it, uh, Benny and the Jets. <laughs> That's a good one. I didn't hear that one. That Twitter account, hectic one. That is, you know, you did tell me to follow that one. That is a good one. You I can follow it. It, it. It's 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 fun. It doesn't usually cross into being like mean spirited, and it makes me laugh. I mean, they're both on good win streaks here. Uh, thing is, Fajardo hasn't fought in a year. I'm leaning Dariush. I think I would probably lean Dariush too. He's he's just been he's so hot right now that Hansel. <laughs> I'm thinking decision. No, man. He's he's been finishing people left and right. I, I know. I'm but... going Dariush. I'm going to say sub. Round two sub. Okay, that's a that's a bold one. I'm being bold. All right. Fair enough. I, so... Don't don't based on my picks, anybody. So you got, Please don't. So you got Dariush via Omoplata, and I got Dariush via decision. I have Dariush by... Is there such thing as a reverse Gogo Plata? Is that a thing? Can we make that up? Yeah, well, yeah, you do that with your arm. Oh, okay. And that's a rear naked choke. Yeah, but that's not, that's not, <laughs> that's not what I want. I'm, I'm thinking like he's on his back. I'm, I'm just being a goof. <laughs> Windshield wiper anyway. choke, I think, is something. I think that's similar. That is, that is a, yeah, maybe that looks similar. I don't, I'd have to look at it again. But I'm, I've, I'm not as uh, well-versed in my holds as you are. I don't, I don't, I think I kind of made that up. I don't know. Is no, that's that a, a choke. Thing? That's, that's, a, that's thing? a real choke. That's in the UFC game, even. Oh really? I didn't. Oh, yeah. I haven't played much. I haven't played much video games. Yeah, don't bother. <laughs> At least not that game. It's it's over. But what are you looking forward to? Oh, the co-main event with Frankie Edgar and uh, Corey Sanhagen. That is a great fight. I actually had the chance to speak to both of these individuals this week. Oh, that is so cool. <laughs> I mean, it was it was it was an enjoyable uh, experience. Frankie, he's such an old pro. At doing these, like he kind of just answers the questions as efficiently as he can and moves forward. Some guys like I build in more questions and then have to miss out on some. Him, I added more questions and was like, "All right, that's my time," and I'm gonna end it early. So it was really, it was funny. But Corey, yeah, he's he's interesting. He's kind of laid back. Um, yeah, he's he's like, I'm from Colorado. I like nature. I like hiking. I like I like well, sitting and listening to people talk instead of me talking. Hiking in Colorado is pretty awesome. They got some cool trails there and cool things to see. I did. That's bad. I, I've never been in Colorado other than the airport. <laughs> Just the airport? yeah, that's a fight I'm looking forward to. Um, I, I I wish it was five rounds. I think we're getting robbed of it being a five round fight, but it may not even go that long. Um, I honestly, if if I'm making a pick, and, and I guess we are, right? Of course, I'm going to say Sanhagen. 
TKO oh. round three. Oh, we should Jersey Pride. <laughs> oh, I'm going. Got to keep the bias out of it, my man. There's only one right answer, and that's Frankie <laughs> Edgar. Hey, let me ask you this: If uh, if Frankie was to fight uh, BJ Penn uh, like seventh time or however many times they fought, who would you pick to win? I picked BJ in the third fight. Yeah, of course you would. <laughs> <laughs> Jersey Pride. Uh, well, I was I was Hawaiian that day. <laughs> well, why don't you move? I got Frankie by decision. All right, all right, that's fair. I, hey, I could see this going a number of ways, but um, it, for me, the the key to this one is basically how well. Sanhagen is able to avoid being taken down. You think? He's I don't think wrestle? Frankie's. I don't think Frankie's just going to wrestle. I think he's going to do the same thing that he's been doing for eleven years. Which he's going to, you know, he's going to move around. He's going to work that boxing. You know, working your kicks here and there too. But he's mostly going to be trying to do that and then take opportunities for takedowns. I mean, this okay. is this is what he does, right? Yeah, that's Frankie Edgar. Mm-hmm. So we know what we get for, with him <laughs> and. We're excited for that Saturday, but real quick, we got to we got to talk about the biggest event probably this weekend, the Super Bowl. Give me your prediction, real quick. Oh, the Super Bowl. I'm ignoring the betting lines. I'm I'm not thinking about who's the favorite or anything like that. But okay. I'll tell you who I think is going to win. I think it's going to be the Chiefs. I got the Bucks. Tom Brady's going to win his seventh ring, which is going to prompt him to want to play until he's like 53, so he can complete both hands. I would argue that him losing makes him want to play until he's 53. No, because once you get two two fingers full on the second hand, you're like, oh, i got three to go. Is that is that what everybody thinks when that's, they get their, their exactly. eighth Super Bowl ring? Yes, that's exactly. Yeah. No, well, he began his seventh. seventh. That's right, but, seventh. Excuse me. But yeah, that's what I would think. All right. He, he, want, he wants to go for the ten rings like... Uh, Yoki Berra. Like Ariana Grande and, and, and the villain <laughs> from Iron Man. <laughs> got you got to fill both hands. <laughs> Especially if you, if you get two fifths of the way there, you got to go for it. There's, I mean, there's just no way around it. And at sixty, if you don't have it, I mean, at that point, you quit. No, nah, I, mean, I I think Patrick Mahomes. I think he's going to do it. This team is really stacked. They they have so many weapons all over the place. The Bucks do too. But honestly, I'm actually more concerned about Brady not looking as good than I would be of anybody on the Chiefs. Leonard Fournette who, who could carry really him. cause them big harm. Leonard Fournette will carry him. <laughs> yeah. And that's it for uh, the Couchside Judges for today. But, you know, stay tuned for Monday. We'll talk about the fights from Saturday. I'm sure we'll have big game reactions as well. Uh, stick around and, you know, hope you guys have a nice weekend. Happy birthday to my wife. Happy birthday. Thank you, sir. And a happy birthday to my mom on Saturday. Yes, indeed. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care, everybody. <laughs>